everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi everyone, Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing, and welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today I have with me Haley Carla. Haley was part of our second annual Loving Healing Creating Summit we ran in February and shared with us a guided meditation painting. You can still get access to the summit at www.creativeviewhealing.com. So Haley is an artist, creative practice guide, transformation coach, and practicing contemplative. Almost caught me up there. And practicing contemplative. I love that. Passionate about the intersection of art, healing, and spirituality. She offers courses and encouragement in intuitive painting, creative practice development, art, and soul connections and holistic perspectives that are grounded in presence, inspired with freedom, and infused with a sense of sacred joy and purpose. So welcome, Haley. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Larissa. (laughs) I'm excited to have you here. I really am. So can you share some of your story and the path that's brought you here? Sure. Um, Yeah. Let's see. Give the chunky highlights, right? (laughs) So I I am a, a lifelong artist, meaning that I even as a very young age, creative expression was always a part of my world um, in various forms, theater, music, writing, visual arts. Um, And I have always had a passion for spirituality and for um, the dynamics that happen in relationship and interconnectivity and the exchange within relationship. And I've also been on a journey of healing from a really young age due to childhood trauma. So that one was kind of not a choice, but, but is a very huge piece of who and how I am today. Um, And, and I'm told that I was always also very naturally a helper and even a healer is the word many of my family members will use to describe me when I was quite young, that that was just kind of a natural inclination for me as well. Um, and, and now with some retrospect too, um, I can look back and say that I was always an intuitive artist um, and that creative expression was always a piece of that it was intuitively, um, my process was intuitive and that it was an intuitive piece of my healing process that I just naturally went toward creativity as a way to process things that I didn't have other places and people and ways to process in the life journey that I was living as a youth. And then when I, um, and and I've always loved misfits, like misfit creatives. And, (laughs) And so, so artists and creatives and musicians and all of that, I've always been kind of attracted to people who, who are on the edges or like on the edge of the inside of things that are questioning things. Um, and so that has been a big piece of what has shaped me as well and continues to, um, and so I'm, I'm formally trained in fine art. When I started out in college, I started out uh, as a psychology major 
And then I kind of uh, thought possibly education, but the misfit rebel in me um, felt that many of those, that those particular systems and frameworks at the time, which was, this was decades ago, that those boxed people in a little bit too much for the way that I was intuitively and creatively feeling into the truth of things. And so I just turned immediately toward art, which was the only thing that kind of made sense to me. And it was such a piece of my healing work at that time too, at that particular age. Um, So I am formally trained in fine art um, and that is a blessing and a curse. And, (laughs) and from there I worked in um, some galleries. I showed work, I sold work for, for some time and did that route a little bit, but there was, um, there was this transformation that was happening in me, or maybe it was just a returning to a truth that's always been there, but it was that while being an artist is, um, is definitely my calling, it's an incredibly solitary path. And for me, it has to be balanced in some way with an integration of that piece of me that is kind of naturally a healer and helper. And so I took a hiatus from art and became a nurse. (laughs) I went back to school. (laughs) I went to graduate school and became a nurse um, in oncology. So cancer patients and hospice um, for a really good chunk of time for some years. And um, in that, as you can imagine, was also um, transformative, uh, life-changing. Now I did, I made the decision for practical reasons and because I felt this need to also do helping healing things. Um, But it also became just this complete uh, quest of some sort that I was on. I didn't realize that's what it was. Uh, And I had experiences that I really couldn't have had anywhere else, particularly in end of life care with families and patients. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, and then I returned the, the calling, the voice within me made itself known again. And I, I knew I had spent the time there that I was meant to. And I returned to my creative path, which then, and then I was like, I had been so immersed in nursing for years that I like kind of woke up and was like, oh my gosh, people and artists are doing these amazing things on this thing called the internet. Where have I been? <laughs> so, um, and, and that was, that was a kind of a whole nother story there. But ultimately I started making connections via the internet that opened up so many doorways that weren't really there or were just beginning to be there when I kind of turned away from art for a time. And, um, and then that, that changed things. I started to see, I started to see, first of all, ways that creativity and what I had learned as a healthcare practitioner in, in the healing fields, um, the ways that the creative process and the healing process parallel one another, um, and I began to really recognize and reframe and have like a sort of retrospect upon the healing I had done with my own creative journey through my whole life. Um, and then I thought, well, well, heck, I can, I can do this. I have actually the experience and the training and there's something I can offer with this. So that, that kind of um, brings me up to the last almost decade now, but eight, nine years I've been teaching and offering and exploring that particular path. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an amazing path that you took and then to find that balance between the two, right? And uh, yeah. yeah, just amazing. And, and you, you've kind of answered this question, but what does healing with creativity mean to you? Yeah. Um, it's the truth of my answer to this is a felt thing. So wholeness. So words come up, vulnerability, um, a return 
like a return to who we are, a return to our sense of the wholeness that always is. It's energetic. So that word, um, a lot of us who do healing creativity work, we use that word energy a lot. And, and I was just um, contemplating this word um, this week with my own students in the roots. I love etymology. I'm a bit of a nerd too. <laughs> so <laughs> the roots of the word energy literally mean work and within. And so that is what healing with creativity um, that kind of sums that up. That's what's coming to mind today with that. It is so much, but it's, it's an access point to the wholeness that already exists within us. And we can engage that healing piece through creativity. And then I think it's always important to constantly emphasize this in, in a Western minded culture, but healing is different than curing. And I witnessed, I learned this firsthand. There were people that I cared for as a nurse that were dying, that were never going to have a cure for what they were going through, but they found healing even in the dying process. And so, so yeah, it's a return to that sense of wholeness with who we are in my mind. Yeah. What a beautiful way to express that, you know, that um, healing and creativity and that mix and just what happens with that, just a beautiful way to express that. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. And, and so what inspires you in the work you do? Oh gosh. Okay. Don't, don't let me go off too long. No, <laughs> no, I'll try to keep it succinct. Um, they're, they're kind of big picture things when I try to sum them up, but um, the interconnection of everything. <laughs> so when you are working with the healing process and the creative process, everything kind of, and you widen your lens, everything becomes alive with layers, layers of interconnection, the ecology of our interconnection in our relationships, the um, interconnection uh, between us as part of the natural world. You know, all these things that we might call inspiration for, for instance, creative works, they also become um, awakenings sometimes in the healing process that how deeply we cannot ever be, you know, unconnected. Like, like we are always part of it. It's our awareness of it that sometimes feels disconnected and that piece. So that really inspires me. And that's a big piece of what drives the work I do. The women I work with really inspire me and, and, you know, so I, I kind of like flounder with calling myself a teacher or a guide, or sometimes I use coach. I, I you'll see me. I've, if you look online, I flip things around a little bit because I, I hold those titles and roles loosely because even when I'm in a position of maybe teaching or sharing something I've learned, um, I receive so much in that process. And, and sometimes it, it feels a, a little unfair, even at times, if I get a really big insight or aha or piece of wisdom from a student, you know, but, but it's just this beautiful reciprocal, again, interconnection and um, transformational relationship thing that can happen. Um, and, and the mystery of it, the mystery of how coming to our creative art making practice, when we look at it from a very factual observation sort of mindset, and we look at what it is, well, you know, I'm just like moving, like, paint on a page, you know, the mystery of how that practice can heal and can renew and can create a sort of access point for us to return to our awareness of that wholeness in our relationship with, with source or God or something bigger than us. That those are my inspirations. Yeah. And then nature, yeah. on a practical level, <laughs> like, 
nature's my muse, like for all of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And so necessary. I, you know, just as you, you said that I was like, yes. And that's been the one thing through the uh, pandemic and all of that is to be able to get outside, right. To be able to get outside and get into nature and, and we've been tending to our plants and they're thriving, you know, they're inside, but you know, just that whole little touch with nature is so important. Yeah. I love that you said that about your plants, Larissa, because this year my plants have done better than ever with all the stay at home stuff. stuff. (laughs) And we've just, I think because we're paying attention to them because they're so important in our little world that we have. Right. So exactly. yeah. Yeah. They're getting that energy from us that they need. So, yeah. So there's this thing about with creatives and healers about monetizing what we do. And what are your thoughts on monetizing? Oh man, this topic's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this and, and they're forming. Um, so let me get this part out of the way. I think we are entrenched in a patriarchal, capitalistic, consumeristic oriented mindset that oppresses a healthy relationship with money and monetization. Okay. And so for me, a lot of the work that I see creatives and healers and creative entrepreneurs um, trying to wrestle with and do as part of their process is unraveling and unpeeling and figuring out what is actually a healing way to dance with this. Um, So, so often, unfortunately, (laughs) in the wellness industries and creativity too, um, to be perfectly honest, uh, the it's so manipulative. It is so manipulative, um, the monetization. And it can be, quite frankly, particularly in healing and wellness, it can be extremely harmful. And so experience matters with who we work with. Um, self-awareness matters with the choices we make about who we work with and what we're ready for and what we're not. And you know, as a person who I monetize my creative healing offerings, you know, so this is something I think about all the time. And there are certain things that kind of guide me, like, in that I ponder, you know, that I contemplate about this. And it's like, are we, are we doing what we do? Or are we getting distracted by a love or a need of money or greed, which is kind of built into how we're supposed to think about things that I do something and you pay me, you know, the transactional notion of monetization is so cultural. Um, Or are we truly doing this because we are devoted to something that is transformational or relational within the creativity and healing processes that becomes helpful. Um, We all have a right to a livelihood. I believe that because along with all this stuff that I'm saying about capitalistic, you know, oppression or whatever is also this cultural mindset that does not place, I believe enough value on the creative arts and the healing arts. So another guiding question becomes, what do we value? What do we truly value? And for me, a big one is, is generosity part of the spirit of what and how I'm offering. And I don't know, I don't have any answers to this truly, but I am constantly I'm asking these questions of myself to catch myself if I fall into patterns and to try new things, to take the risk to try new things as somebody who sees the value in creativity and healing, who also has a right to earn a living, you know, because there's dignity in that, right? And who believes that creativity and art 
and healing matter, especially in these times, the way they can open us up. But I have to keep checking in and making sure that my unconscious biases and cultural conditionings aren't guiding the way I'm making decisions about how I do that. So I think it's a really personal journey in a lot of ways for creatives and healers at this time. And what I love is seeing how people are playing with it, how they're playing with different ways to make things available at different price points or pay what you can or, you know, or how they're even playing with, um, with valuing the, the work that they offer because so often creatives and healers and artists don't value their work enough. Or we're taught also in this culture, um, and I promise I'm gonna stop in a moment, but we're taught also in this culture, especially as artists and creatives and people who want to help to give things away for free constantly. And this is equally part of the problem. And so if we're talking about truly valuing the things that actually matter, and so we have to find a way to harmonize with that generosity and that ability to value and say, I also have a right to my livelihood and this is my contribution to community and healing and connection. So, so yeah, I love that question because there's, there's no set answer. And I believe we're all on a healing journey with that right now in this time. Yeah. And you know, I, I get some variation of similar answers from everyone, but it's interesting to see the different takes on it because of culturally where the healing, uh, healing and arts have, have fallen and the value of them. Right. And they have high value at certain levels, yeah. right? Like you see your movie stars and, and, and things like that high value there. And then, you know, the learning arts and things like that has such a low value. And it's like, well, how do you get there without starting here? And so it, it is a very interesting um, journey that we each personally have to take to decide where we fall in that value. And, and just in that, we were talking this morning, I have a, a morning meditation and journaling class, and we were talking about personal value and how when we are really good at something, we don't necessarily value it because it becomes easy to us. And and so how do we turn that thinking around? Because to other people, there's a huge value in that, right? Because they can't do it. Um, so in, interesting conundrums that we get ourselves into. <laughs> and, and I love that point about how we, we kind of take it for granted, the things that we're good at, because what can happen in that space I have found is like, I'll think I would never pay that much for that class. You know, I can do that on my own. Well, I can do that on my own because I've spent a lot of years like, you know, and with some of those <laughs> things, but show me something else that is totally new to me. And I'm, I might invest in that because it has value to me at the place that I'm at in that way. So, Yeah so much richness in that, in looking at those particular things in these times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what creative healing modality do you use the most for yourself? Yeah, you know, I, I am um, multi-passionate. <laughs> so, so there's a few and, and actually having a few has, I have found to be the most helpful to me um, to use them intentionally and consciously. And that would be intuitive and con contemplative painting and writing for sure. Um, and, and practices in presence. And, and this sometimes looks like what I think of as prayer, we could call it meditation or contemplation either way. Um, but coming into a willingness to be open to the presence of creator or creative spirit happening actively, always ever present in my life. 
And so what that looks like, sometimes it looks like dialogue, which we might think of as prayer. Sometimes it looks like just sitting and being a little bit more like meditation or breath work. Um, super, super helpful. Uh, and communing with nature, which we've mentioned, that's an, a must for me. And then um, music is really one that I don't always talk about so much online, but it's been a part of my life forever, um, as long as I've been alive. Music in some way, and oftentimes movement or dance that is rhythmic or with music. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think it, just in, in saying that and in the, in the different things that you use, it's so important for people to understand there is no one right way. And for each person, there's something different, right? So it's, it's interesting to hear what, what everyone uses, but it's going to be different for everyone. So, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I love that's that. a big part of it. Well, and I think it opens us up to being more holistic about how we approach it too for ourselves, because, you know, maybe we're mm-hmm. highly creative and we do a lot of sitting at the table and making art and that's our creative expression. But at the end of the day, your body is going to feel achy. And so you're going to need some other way to move that creative energy that actually includes, you know, your body throughout the day or your body at transition points with that other creative work that you do. So, yeah, yeah, that holistic viewpoint helps everything, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say you are proudest of in your life? I love this question because that word proud and pride is such a funny thing and on, um, But, you know, what really came up for me when I thought of it uh, it was pretty quick. Um, Two things. And one I've mentioned, which was returning to my creative calling and path, um, which meant leaving nursing and which has meant creating a life that is in somewhat resistant to the status quo expectations in order to stay true to myself. It's very risky. There's no certainties in it. Um, So that that's not easy. And so I do take, I'm a little bit proud of that. Um, and my husband too, cause he's a big part of, of us being able to do that. Uh, he's also uh, a creative, um, self-employed creative artist and musician. So, um, and then the other one though, that I think is some layers deeper for me is, is the healing journey of my life and not succumbing to cynicism or despair or addiction when it tried to get its hold on me, um, or even depression for long bouts as part of my healing. Instead, I I chose healing consciously. Um, And I I say that very carefully because there is nothing wrong with finding yourself in a spell of depression, for instance, or being somebody who went through being an addict and moving through that journey. These are just things that sometimes we do to, to survive the traumas and things that we've gone through. Um, And so we can't, we can't just like, uh, like judge those in any way. And I'm not saying in any way that because I've, I'm not finding myself in spirals of those at this time that I'm somehow better than, or I've achieved some formula. So, so pride here is maybe not even quite the best word for me, but this is something that feels important and resonant to, to share um, at times, because um, because choosing to not succumb to cynicism and despair, it takes work, it takes energy, and it takes effort. And choosing a healing path takes all of those things, and it takes support. And uh, and and those are not easy things for a lot of us. And it certainly wasn't easy for me, especially the support thing. A lot of times, um, you know, asking for help when we need it, not easy work. So anytime that I can do that, that's a win. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point you make about asking for help. And as women, especially, I think we're really not good at that, right? And we've been conditioned that you just deal with it, just deal with it. Um, And it's, you can't always deal with it. So asking for help is so important. And that, that came for me along my healing journey, right? Because you have to get to a certain point to be able to do that. And yeah, so important. Mm -hmm. And and, and in our culture, quite often, when you do ask for help, you don't get what you need. So then it becomes even harder to ask for help. So learning to discern where you can ask for help, where are those safe places for you, what you, is also important. But yeah, yeah. I immediately thought of, as you were saying that, because that's such good wisdom of Brene Brown and her, her warning on who we choose to be vulnerable with who we choose to give the gift of our trust. Yeah. That is a piece that we learn along the way, isn't it? Like it absolutely is. Absolutely is. Yeah. So if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would it be? Just one. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of work to do out there, but yeah, let's choose one for today. (laughs) One for today. So yeah, you know, what comes to my mind uh, today Oh, yeah. So am I can I say what today is (laughs) as we're recording this? Um, It's the the inauguration. It's the switching of power here in the United States in 2021. Um, And so I know we'll be listening to this later, but it feels um, important to maybe just mention that and let people know that that's where my energy is, too, because I feel that um, being part of decreasing hate and divisiveness in the ways that we can do that is extremely important in these times, the ways that we other, the ways that we um, find ourselves trying to be superior to or no better than that keeps us from being again in relationship with one another in a way that is beneficial for ourselves and for all. And so what that looks like for me in my work, um, how I might say it today is like helping people learn how to slow down, slow down into our wholeness, into our messy shadowy parts at times and into presence, you know, so deeply that we can see the lies of hyper-individualism going at it alone and materialism and turn toward more of a reverence and a care and a curiosity for experiences that are different than our own and participating in right relationship with one another and with this earth. And um, I don't know, you know, like, like what, you know, making art and and working with women in circles. um, How does that help that? Well, I can't give you a spelled out outline, but I do know that it changes us within that the transformation that is going to happen outside in the external world begins within and, and creativity and healing begins within. And so then we're beginning that type of work that brings us back into conscious relationship and being more, um, being more like we more in tune, more aligned with our true self and who we hope to be with one another and ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's interesting that you say that too, with everything that's, you know, gone on over the last few years and, um, and not just in the United States, although it's very present, but 
around the world, you've seen so much um, angst and then you threw COVID in there and that, you know, even more so. And underneath that, I'm starting to see, and maybe it's just the people that I hang with, you know, but you're starting to see that um, self-care and that self-expression and that self, not self as in I, which has been so important for so long, but the self as in um, what do I have to offer? How can I connect, right? How do I connect to spirit? How do I connect to others? And that is starting to grow. And it's, it's sort of sneaking in from underneath. And it's been amazing to watch through all of this. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Cause that is what I feel too. And that is what I see as well. And that is what I believe is, is, I believe today is, is the right path for us as a people, as a human family. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, a little less on the individuation and the small self and a little more on the true capital S self and how we contribute to the us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So imposter syndrome, this is something that many creatives and healers um, struggle with. Um, have you struggled with it? And if so, what do you do? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and um, the way I have worked with that, well, um, well, sometimes, okay, so the honest answer is that sometimes imposter syndrome has come up and I have abandoned myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I just say that in case anybody's listening and, and needs to hear that that's okay. And if you recognize it in yourself, then let me offer you the things that have helped me. Um, my faith, my relationship with a sense of something bigger than myself, which we were just talking about, my sense of spirit and source, um, God, call that whatever works for you. Um, that relationship has been fundamental and foundational for me. Um, and I even abandon that at times, but then return again. But that has always helped because it helps keep me, keep the perspective alive that there is something going on that's bigger than me. And that the, the seeds of desire, the seeds of interest, the seeds of little bits of wisdom and insights that I feel called to offer and contribute, they can have a reason that's bigger than what I can see with my small, narrowed down, often in my own little self, you know, kind of perspective, you know, like, and, and if I can remember that through a relationship of some sort of faith or trusting the process is another way that we can work with that. Another way that we say that and trusting the path that we're on, that we were made how we were for a reason, even though that's dynamic and changes, right. Mm-hmm. And that it's for something bigger than us alone that can help get through that. And it certainly helped me. And then the other thing that has to be said is um, staying connected to other artists and creatives. Mm-hmm the times I have fallen away from my art most deeply have been when I've been not consciously making effort to connect with other artists and creatives in some way. 
Um, because one of the big reasons, well, there's a lot of reasons, but the, one of the biggest ones in relationship to the imposter syndrome is because we all go through this. And when we're together, we remind each other that we all go through this and it's just kind of a phase and it shall pass a little bit. Or even if we carry it with everything we share out there, that it's something of a lie, right? That it's this little thing in our ego that tries to keep us small. And if we can all remind each other of that and, that, and then to take creative risks together, we're helping each other grow and strengthen our trust in the process and, and creating something that we can't even imagine today. We're, we're part of our own becoming. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautifully put, beautifully put. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have an inspirational quote that you live by? Larissa, I'm a quote junkie. <laughs> I literally have a, <laughs> I have a running list every year. And then I like print it out at the end of the year and put it in this little journal I have, you know, and sometimes it's like 30 pages of like 12 point font quotes that I've like collected throughout the year that I just found so inspiring. So, so I did not go look at my quote book (laughs) because that felt a little contrived. And I just kind of got quiet as I was thinking about this one and two things come to mind. And one is actually a quote, um, not, it was given to me. And then the other is actually kind of a compass of values. And that was also given to me. So there you go. These were quotes that I didn't just find. They came to me from from someone else. Um, And the first is, is above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Okay. So this is actually scriptural and whether or not, or what you think about all of that, um, this came to me through an astrologer. Uh, so it, you know, we can have interesting routes for things that seem incompatible that have meaning for us. So above all else, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. And this was something that was, I needed specifically to remember. I'm, I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm an introvert for the most part. Um, though I, I do well when I teach and lead for the most part, but I'm an INFP. If you like those personality things, I'm a four or five on the Enneagram. I have all these things that make me, I'm, I'm empathic in a lot of ways. Um, I'm energetically in tune for astrology people. I'm a double Pisces. So I'm really, I'm really permeable in that way. And all of these things have truths about how I've experienced things and they've all helped me as I've kind of learned about them. And that particular quote um, matters, matters for me. To, to guard my heart because that vulnerability piece. And also for me, it's a play on words too. I see art in heart when I think of that quote. So above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of your life. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that came to mind um, is a compass. Uh, it's just some values. And this came from my father who is part Native American. And he learned it from um, some Native elders, a grandfather specifically. Um, I ha- that's another part of my path I didn't really mention, but um, some, my dad being Native American, I have some indigenous spiritual teaching roots in that way through actual ceremony and experience with elders. And they teach that, that all people were giving, given something called the grandfathers. And the grandfathers are values that guide us. And that if we can figure out how to incorporate these and how we relate to one another that will be able to live in community with one another um, and also in good right relationship with ourselves and the earth. And so they are wisdom, respect, courage, love, truth, generosity, and humility. 
So it's not a quote, but those um, definitely guide me. Yeah. 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 And I, I just love that too. And because that's, that's something that anyone in any walk of life, it's not, you know, you don't have to believe in a certain thing, but that's anyone in any walk of life could have as a value or in my opinion, should have as values. Right? <laughs> yeah. Should have as values. Let's put Great. it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You seem like so the North Stars. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Guiding, guiding us. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else you want to share with our listeners that we maybe haven't discussed today? We've hit on the important things. So I guess I'll just say what is most important to me that creatives and healers remember you are whole and you are inherently creative. You can't not be that. And you are beloved and you are here for a reason and whatever creative expression or insight or thing that is pulling you forward, practice leaning into that a little and trusting that a little bit more and, um, and have, have even just one person, one witness, maybe even a non-human person, <laughs> go with a tree or a pet if you need to, but one witness that you sit with in conscious contemplation about that thing that you love, the thing that lights you up and let yourself love that. And then if you ever want to connect with me, I'm out there, HaleyCarla.com. So <laughs> We will make sure we have your info there for them too. So I, I want to thank you so much for being here today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Oh, thank you, Larissa. This has been a joy. Clearly I love these things and talking about them. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. So to our listeners, we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day? Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.